Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. What up, guys? I'm Lisa Billu. I'm co-founder of Quest Nutrition, co-founder and president of Impact Theory, host of Women of Impact, and now author of Radical Confidence. So you may think of me as having confidence today, but guys, let me freaking tell you, that is far from where I started. Throughout this episode, you're going to hear the roller coaster ride that I've been on with my confidence. And by the end, guys, you're going to leave with no BS lessons on how the hell you become the hero of your own life. So peeps, roll up your freaking sleeves and let's effing go. don't let our dreams die by chance. They aren't taken away from us. We're not unlucky. It's a choice. Only, I didn't see it like that at the time. The first dream killer choice I made was dismissing my own happiness. I had so much, had come so far, that I believed it was selfish to be unsatisfied with what I had. Rather than listening to that annoying voice that was quietly whispering that something was wrong, I put my fingers in my ears and la 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 my way to trying to block it out because I felt like holding on to my dreams meant that I was ungrateful for what I had. Was I unhappy? No doubt. But did I think unhappiness alone was a good enough reason to make a whole bunch of changes, changes that might make other people uncomfortable? I wasn't there yet. So rather than having the radical confidence to take the initiative myself, I just kept waiting for things to change on their own. After all, many would have killed for my life. But guys, You can be over the top, freaking grateful for what you have, and you can be madly in love with parts of your life and be utterly miserable in others. For eight years, I lost myself, gave up on my hopes and my dreams. I had massive, audacious goals to be the first female movie director to win the Academy Award. And yet I found myself swapping out my dreams for tradition. So I stayed home and supported my husband like I thought a good Greek woman should. For eight years, I found myself dismissing the fact that I was actually miserable and to make sure that I wasn't paying attention to how miserable and unhappy and stuck I was, I came up with things that would distract me. It's what I call having a squirrel to chase. Like the dog in that movie where it has a squirrel and it goes off into a direction to be distracted. That's what I found myself doing. And every single day I would fill it up with things that would make me not pay attention to how unhappy I was. Things like doing grocery shopping and trying to carry as many bags as I possibly could and being proud of myself that I carried more today than I did yesterday. Or finding myself actually color coding my husband's sock drawer. Guys, you think I'm freaking joking. 
but I'm actually deadly serious. These are the tiny little squirrels that we often use to distract ourselves and dismiss how unhappy we are. We fill our day up so that we actually don't feel the feels of the fact that we're not living the freaking life we wanted. And so I want to talk about killing the damn squirrel. And guys, the most freaking horrific thing about everything that I just said is I didn't think I had a choice. I was literally convincing myself that every day was just a given. I didn't realize that every day was an opportunity to make a different choice. And even worse, as I was going through these days, I was convincing myself I was living the life I should be living. We put blinders on. And so often, we don't actually see the reality that is in front of us. I was on vacation with my sister, and we're going through the airport. This is early days where I had been the stay-at-home wife for about six to seven years. And I'm going through the airport with my sister, and we get to customs. And as, I don't know if you've been through customs before, but they fill out these sheets. And it's like, okay, you have your date of birth, where you've been, where you live. And then it said occupation. And so the, per- the guy standing behind the counter turns to me, he's like, oh, what's your occupation? For a second, I stuttered. For a split second, I was like, I don't know what to say. And in that split second, my sister, who I love more than life itself, next to me, just says, so matter-of-factly, oh, she's a housewife. Now, in that moment, guys, I didn't even realize. I was so shocked by the fact that she had said that I was a housewife. Now, look, I want to preface this by saying there's nothing wrong with being a housewife. If that's the life you want, it was not the life I wanted, not the life I dreamt about, and definitely not the future I thought I was gonna have. And so the whole time I was a stay-at-home wife supporting my husband, I freaking convinced myself that wasn't the case. I didn't even allow myself to see the freaking truth that was right in front of me. It took my sister, someone on the outside, to just matter-of-factly, nonchalantly point out the life I was living. It felt like a slap in the face. But the truth was, that was just the reality. And sometimes you need a slap in the face for us to actually see the reality. We really cannot see ourselves the way other people see us. But let's face it, we all freaking make assumptions anyway. We make assumptions about how they see us and who they see us to be. Now here's the thing guys, there's nuance to this because sometimes you don't freaking listen to the outside world. You don't listen to who people think you are. You listen to yourself. And yet, in some moments, like this with my sister, my sister saw something I didn't. And so, I've actually brought my sister on because it is so important that we see that sometimes how we see ourselves isn't how other people see or think of us. And look, like I said, sometimes that can be amazing and other times that could be detrimental. But in this case, I want to hear from my sister because it was so strong that she saw something in me that I didn't. And while in the moment, guys, it felt like a bit of a freaking slap in the face, like a real freaking backhander. The truth was that when it came from my sister, someone that freaking loves me more than life itself, I had to just take it as truth. So here we go. Let's hear from my sister. So the interesting thing is, is that I don't actually remember this incident And it's interesting how something can be so significant to one person and yet not significant at all to someone else. Um, We got to customs. This is my memory of the event. We got to customs. 
the customs officer asked her the question as to what she did for a living and she hesitated. So in that scenario, when you're faced with a security um, officer who's asking you questions, you just almost spit out an answer. So in my haste to answer a question on her behalf, I just said that she was a housewife. So growing up, being a housewife and a mother was really normal. Um, in the Greek culture, that's what was expected of most women, that that's what they would end up doing is getting married and taking care of a family. And to me, that was quite normal. It, it had no meaning to me. But obviously to Lisa, it was a very different situation and that somehow sparked in her um, a feeling of that she wasn't where she wanted to be, that somehow she had let go of her dreams, her hopes. And it, it spurred her then actually into action and into changing her life and pursuing what she really wanted to pursue um, because she realized that she wasn't happy. So even though my remark wasn't meant in a, a, a horrible way, it wasn't meant to demean her, it wasn't meant to... Um, to make her feel badly about herself. I do recognize that it did actually do that, um, but that that was probably the, a, a good thing. It was probably the best thing that could have happened in that moment because it changed her trajectory and, um, and the course of her life. I know how it feels to feel stuck. I've been there. That feeling where you literally do not know if there's a way out. That feeling of, do I deserve to have a better life? That's a hard question, guys. Because when you were just living in the purgatory of the mundane, where your life hasn't actually hit rock bottom, where things are actually okay, they are fine. In those moments, you wonder if you have even the courage to ask for more. In those moments, you wonder if you even deserve to ask for more. And guys, I know how that feels, but trust me, you do not have to stay there. And that's why, that's why the story with my sister in immigration is the most beautiful story ever, because she freaking slapped me in the face metaphorically and woke me up. I was living a life of just being fucking fine. What the hell? I needed that slap. I need, needed that realization that actually I did have a choice. And just like I made small, tiny choices every single day to be stuck, I actually could make small, tiny choices in the opposite direction to get myself out. And so the dream freaking killers of mine, there's three. Dream killer number one is dismissing your own freaking happiness. Do not do it. Do not dismiss, do not diminish, do not deter from that goal or that dream that you freaking deserve. Dream killer number two is not freaking being specific about what that dream is. As an example, for eight freaking years, I was saying I wanted to make movies. What the hell does that mean? Do I want to make animation? Do I want to make short films? Do I want to make low budget? Because if I decided that and I said, oh, I can make low budget, I could have started yesterday. But I just left it up in the air. I want to make movies. So I actually didn't move forward. And number freaking three dream killer is not giving yourself a deadline. Every single year, I kept telling myself, just one more year, just one more year, just one more year. Yeah, that one more year, as you know already, 
has turned into eight years. And every single time I told myself that, I convinced myself. I said, well, you've put in this amount of time, you may as well keep going. You may as well keep going. If you play poker, it's something called pot committed. It means that you've invested so much money in the hand, you may as well keep going. What? I literally thought I was better off just keep on going down the wrong path than admitting that I've just spent the last five, six, seven, eight years doing something that I hate. Give your dream a freaking deadline. And because I didn't have this rule, I spent every single year just saying, just one more year, just one more year. If I had told myself that my goal needs a deadline, I wouldn't have wasted eight freaking years. So let me just be absolutely freaking succinct. You can change your life. In those early days of Quest, I didn't feel confident. On a daily basis, I came up against situations and problems and occasionally people who made me want to turn and run screaming in the opposite direction to go home and hide behind the couch with a blanket over my head. But I chose not to accept can't. I chose not to pass the buck up or down. Every day was an education in building a business and I started to see that I don't know was nothing more than an excuse. If I didn't know how to do something, then I had to get radically confident and bloody learn, period. Instead of asking myself, can I do this? I'd ask myself, how can I do this? If the answer to that question involves doing something that I didn't already know how to do, then I knew I was going to have to learn. I was going to have to figure it the hell out. So when my husband started his protein bar company, I offered to help. I mean, that's what a good Greek wife does, right? So babe, of course I'll help, what do you need? So he's like, I oh, just ship a couple of boxes here, he says. Mail a couple of boxes there, he says. Cut to the growth of Quest at 57,000%. And guys, I went from shipping bars on my living room floor to all of a sudden having to be a freaking boss. I had no idea how to be a boss. The first time I had to be a boss and we got so many orders in one day, the guy is standing there on his phone texting. I was so worried to tell him what to do that instead of actually telling him to put down his phone and work, what do you think I did? Of course, I just tried to handle it myself. I tried to go even quicker to box things up because I was too damn petrified to tell my employee to work. But yet I had to overcome the obstacles. My house was down as collateral. So I had to show up every single freaking day and face my inadequacies every single day. So when someone came in and was like, hey, you know what? You can actually ship boxes quicker if you put them on a pallet. What did I tell the UPS guy? Yeah, cool, I got it. And then I ran back to my office and jumped in front of my bloody computer and typed into Google, what the hell is a pallet? That's how inadequate and unprepared I was to take on that role. So every single day, I was facing things where I wasn't equipped to face. I wasn't educated to face. I wasn't informed to face. But yet, every day when I faced an obstacle, I realized I had a choice to run and hide or to freaking Google that shit and do it in a way. 
being challenged day in and day out actually did something really freaking interesting to me. It showed me what I was capable of. And in that process, in realizing what I was capable of, I started to freaking love business. And for a while, I was definitely trying to dip my toe in both pools. I was trying to be a great housewife and I was trying to be an amazing business partner. And as you can imagine, trying to do both amazingly well ends up being that you do nothing amazing. I realized I no longer wanted to put clothes out for my husband anymore. I realized I no longer wanted to cook for him anymore. Didn't mean I didn't love him more than life itself. But I realized I didn't want to be a housewife anymore. It was finally time to realize I had a choice. Oh, the guilt, the crippling guilt I felt about even the fact that I was just thinking it, let alone like even acting on it. The fact that I was just thinking that I didn't want to take care of him was so crippling to me. If only I could see what my business partner slash husband was thinking. Lisa becoming an entrepreneur was a pretty tumultuous time in our marriage, if I'm completely honest. It was, it was not easy at all to go from almost a decade of uh, her taking care of everything that I was doing. She was the CEO of Billu Enterprises and I could rely on her to facilitate what I was doing. So I was working insane hours. I was working incredibly hard and she was making all of that possible from uh, putting out my clothes, fixing all my meals, taking care of bills, uh, making sure that everything in the house was sorted out, that the animals were taken care of. I mean, just everything. And it was always something that I valued tremendously. I was never one of those people that was oblivious to how much my wife was doing to contribute to what we were doing. And you know, when I would call her the CEO of Bill U Enterprises, it was meant to honor the massive contributions that she was making. So as she began to wake up to her desire to be an entrepreneur, her abilities as an entrepreneur, and to really fall in love with that and want to invest more in it, she realized that to do that, it was inevitably going to take time away from her other incredibly full-time job that she had as the CEO of Billu Enterprises. I wanted her to win. I wanted her to become whoever she wanted to be and that she had all of that potential and she was willing to put in the work to make that potential usable. And it ended up changing everything about our marriage and our life and it's been incredible. And so I hope that for everybody, I hope no matter how it plays out in your life, that you realize encouraging your significant other to pursue their dreams, to remember that they really can do anything they set their mind to if they're willing to put in that work, if they're willing to be disciplined, if they're willing to face their fears, and that they can build radical confidence if they are aware of the fact that it's always going to be hard, it's always going to be scary, and that facing that figuring it out and becoming the person you've always wanted to become, that's the whole point. That there is no moment where there's no negative voice, there is no moment where you're not going to need courage, but that you can always have radical confidence. Having negative thoughts is absolutely normal and having them every single day is 
absolutely normal. But it's how you respond to the negative thoughts that is important. And guys, seriously, stay tuned for number four because even though it's counterintuitive, it's freaking fire. Tip number one is observe your thoughts. Now, you're gonna wanna quieten them down. You're gonna wanna change them. But all I'm asking right now, guys, is just observe them. You're gonna try and change the channel because you don't like what you're hearing. But even if you change the channel, the sad news is the message is still the same. Shame sucks. Yes, it really does. I'm not gonna freaking pretend that it doesn't. But instead of feeling badly about it, instead of letting it seep into your consciousness, literally take it and say, what is it trying to tell me? Decipher it. It's giving you a message. What's that message? Tip number two is identifying the patterns. Now guys, it's gonna be really freaking important for you to start looking at what are the behaviors that you do over and over and over and over again. So for me, I started to notice every time I would get into an argument with my husband that afterwards, all I would do was focus on the negative, focus on the could have done better, should have said this, all these things um, I kept repeating. I never walked away with, I'm so proud of X, Y, and Z. I'm so proud that I handled that well. I'm so proud that I was able to communicate with him. I didn't focus on that. It was always the freaking negative. And what this is called is ants, also known as automatic negative thoughts. Tip number three. Now you've assessed the patterns. Now what you need to do is to see if they're actually valid. Because here's the thing, guys, you may not like it, but sometimes they are. I hate to say it, but sometimes they are. So what I need you to do is right now, put your thoughts on trial. Tip number four is allow the negative thoughts to fuel you. Now guys, I understand you're gonna think I'm freaking nuts right now, but hear me out. You've got some choices. The negative thought is gonna come. You try and switch it off. You can't. You try and turn the volume down. You can't. So now you've got a choice. Your negative thought can actually serve you or it can break you. I don't know about you guys, I choose, let it serve me. So here's a perfect example. My producer told me my outros are too long. Apparently, I talk too much. What? Who knew? But she told me that they're too long and actually it'll be better for the show and for myself to reduce it and make them shorter. When I'm on set, I am literally doing an outro. And as I'm doing the outro, the negative voice seeps in. As I'm talking, the negative voice keeps repeating. <laughs> guys, guys, okay, so I think I've Show said enough. Show what you're made of. This is gonna be short. No, why have you got the book? Lisa, why, why have you got the book, Lisa? Outro, outro, subscribe, come on. Oh God, Lisa, shut up. What's going on? Why are you still talking? End, end, end. What are you doing? And now I haven't quite nailed it yet, but the negative thought, guys, is actually serving me. The negative thought is actually pushing me to get better in real time. Tip number five. I really, really, really wish this tip was ignore your negative thoughts. But the truth is, is that you can't ignore them no matter how much you try. So instead, guys, tip number five is to actually deal with the negative thoughts and put strategies in place that allow you to deal with them. 
create daily negative thought time. Now, what this means is you're going to be thinking it anyway. So why not block a time in your day where you can just go go ham on the negative thoughts. Say everything in this one little space of time. Say all the negativity that you ever want to say. But once that time is over, oh, it's 12 o'clock, freaking stop. Practice breathing. Now I know what you're going to say. I breathe all the time, Lisa. Why on earth do I need to practice it? So what it does, guys, is it actually kicks in your parasympathetic nervous system, which allows you to calm down and see things more clearly. Eliminate should and shouldn't from your vocabulary. Now what this does is it actually puts judgment to the thought. So if you say, I shouldn't be thinking that, what are you telling yourself? You are literally judging yourself for having that thought. So right now we need to stop saying should or shouldn't. Who on earth said if it's right or wrong? Who made us think we should or shouldn't do anything? So. We need to stop putting shoulds and shouldn'ts on our thoughts. Tip number six is practice, practice, practice. Guys, I'm 41 years old and the negative voice is still there. I've taken the batteries out, I've tried to change the volume, I've tried to change the channel, but it turns out I have a lifelong subscription. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams 
a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. If you're fed up of people constantly pushing you around, ignoring your boundaries and just disrespecting you left, right and centre, then it's time to finally stop letting people walk all over you and start actually standing up for yourself, my homie. Because trust me, I've been there staying silent and living a life I never actually wanted for myself, but lacked the confidence to do anything about it. But I was able to go from someone who settled and lacked all the confidence in herself to someone who comfortably commands respect and guys and my homie even with the fears the doubts and uncertainty you can finally go after what you freaking want in life set boundaries speak up show up fight imposter syndrome and stop people pleasing and i break down how to actually do this step by step in my book radical confidence and when you pre-order your copy of radical confidence right now today guys you can get a free gift valued at 171 dollars, which includes my ultimate guide to radical confidence which is a workbook that you actually can work through as you're reading my book three months ad-free listening to women of impact on podcast and one hour exclusive relationship coaching sessions with me and my hubby of 21 years tom so my homie if you go and pre-order this book right now you get all of those things for utterly free which has been valued at 171 dollars so go over to radicalconfidence.com to pre-order your copy right now that's radicalconfidence.com see you there my homie let's freaking go Confidence isn't as important as you think it is, and people get this wrong all the time. Because confidence isn't a freaking goal. It's not the end game. We don't want confidence just for the sake of feeling confident. We want to be confident so that we can go out and kick ass and do all the things we want to do. You want to feel confident so you can start your YouTube channel. You want to feel confident so you can start dating. You want to feel confident so you can take that dance class or ask for that promotion. But here's the mic drop. You don't need confidence to do new things. Doing new things creates confidence. People want confidence to feel competent enough to begin, but it's actually the other way around. This isn't a chicken and egg situation because here there is a clear answer. Competence hatches confidence. Cheap, cheap. So many of us think that we're going to get confidence when when I land my dream job, when I meet the person of my dreams, when I lose all the weight, when I get more money. But guys, that couldn't be freaking further from the truth. After I co-founded a billion dollar company, Quest Nutrition, after I co-founded Impact Theory, a media studio that has developed content that has been viewed over half a billion times. After I have my own show, Women of Impact, where I get to interview some of the most incredible women on the freaking planet. After all of that, I am still shit scared of things. And so I'm actually gonna share a very personal story to show you exactly what I mean. This is a couple of years ago. 
The entrepreneur, amazing, incredible influencer Gary V sends my husband an email and CCs me. And he's like, hey Tom and Lisa, I'm holding an event in Vegas. It was for CES, this big event, and he invited us to come. Now before I even, like, I see the email, I'm freaking excited. Before I can even get up off my seat and running and tell Tom, oh my God, I want to go this, Tom bloody replies to him and says, sorry Gary, I think I might be tied up. I may not be able to come. Well, shit, I still wanted to go. My schedule was totally wide open, but I was too scared. <laughs> so I literally ran into the office, into Tom, and I was kind of like checking with him. It's like one of those moments, you know, when you're like, you're kind of just testing the waters. And so I was like, babe, I was thinking about going and asking Gary if I could go by myself. What do you think? Now, part of me actually really freaking hoped, guys, he'd be like, nah, babe, I don't think you should. Because actually that would have been like the get out of jail free card. But he was like, oh my God, of course you can. So now I had no excuse. I was like, well, my husband's encouraging me. I kind of want to go in a way, which is why I asked in the first place. But did Gary just ask me to be polite, right? You know, the negative voice. It starts going in your head of all these reasons why. Oh my God, do you have the audacity to email Gary V back? Well, Lisa, he did say you, but is he just trying to be nice? All this thing spiraling in my, my head, going round and round, and whether I should freaking ask Gary V if I can still come. Because even though it's behind a computer, I was still scared to get rejected. We all know freaking rejection sucks, guys. It doesn't matter how long you've been around, rejection still sucks. But in that moment, I realized that if I didn't ask, the answer was always going to be no. So there I am behind my computer, <laughs> writing like these five words that I must have read a thousand times, like I was signing away my life rights. And it was like, you reread it, you reread it, you make sure, is this friendly, is it firm, is it clear? Do I do an emoji to give the impression that I'm being soft? All this bloody thing, just to write a couple of lines that's like, hey, I'd love to come too. Wink. <laughs> so I write this email out, I assess it, I analyze it. And the hardest thing was to press the bloody send button. So I had to coach myself. All right, Lisa, three, two, one, press send. So now I sit back and I'm like, well, is he going to respond? And in those moments where you don't know how you're going to be received, it can be really freaking scary because getting rejected sometimes then makes you feel like it's about you, that you're not liked, you're not wanted there, you're not good enough. Sound familiar? If you're anything like me, that's a negative voice in your head telling you that you're not good enough to ask Gary Vee to go to an event. But so I had to coach myself. I had to count down, press that bloody send button. And now it was in his hands. Dude, the days were so long when I was freaking waiting for him to reply. Day after day after day, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And then eventually I get the email. My heart starts that petrifying feeling like, I don't, I'm either gonna be ecstatic or I'm gonna be heartbroken. I'm not sure which one yet. But I waited and waited and waited. And eventually he sends me the email. I was worried about two letters, no. And what I ended up getting was two words. Of course. Woo! I get to go to Gary V's event. And then, oh crap, Lisa, you actually have to go to Gary V's event by yourself. So I just got over one hurdle. I was celebrating. In that celebration, all the other fears start coming rushing in. So now it's like, oh shit, not only do you have to go, you go by yourself, 
you're traveling. I had massive health issues at the time, guys. So all the fears of traveling by myself, what if I get sick? What if I'm at the event and something happens? And my wingman, who's my husband, is not there to help me. What the hell am I gonna do? Well, the negative voice absolutely saw the opportunity to keep taking me down that spiraling thought. So I had to take one freaking step at a time. Step one, book your flight. Don't worry about everything else, just book your flight. Cool, got the flight. Step two, book your hotel. Amazing. All these things are very small. And when you take them in small, incremental bites, guys, they feel less overwhelming. So once I'd done that, okay, now I feel very good about flying to Vegas. But how on earth do I walk into this event? I didn't know anyone except Gary V. So I think it might have been a little awkward if I was like, hey, Gary, let me just speak to you for the next three hours because I'm really uncomfortable to speak to anyone else. He may have found it a little awkward. So I know I needed a freaking game plan. I needed to be able to walk into that event feeling good about myself because that was the whole point in going. It was to meet people, to put myself out there. And if I didn't feel good about myself, I would have been standing in the corner looking around. And now I go to, was that why I went to Vegas in the first place? No. Okay. If I know that I need tools to set me up for success, what the hell are those tools going to be? So number one, have your freaking hype song. Survivor by Destiny's Child happens to be my freaking hype song. Before I went in, I put the headphones in guys. I pressed play outside this event in Vegas. And I'm just listening to the lyrics and I'm singing along and I'm in the corner, I'm kind of jamming along. I'm a survivor, I'm not going to give up. <laughs> Gets me going. See, even my face just lit up. I wonder if your face just let me singing to you. <laughs> but right, so like get that song that gets the chemicals going. Next thing is my outfit. I like to call it my cape, my Wonder Woman cape. Give a kid a freaking cape and wait two minutes. What are they doing? They've got their fist in the air, they're jumping off the sofa because they really feel like they're a superhero. They embody it. So don't freaking dismiss your outfit. The hair, the jewelry is my cape. It's me putting it on. It's my Wonder Woman necklace, putting it on, telling me what I'm capable of. So that's another tool. Then one thing I did guys is I took a freaking selfie. Now here's the thing. I do selfies on purpose to motivate me. Let me just grab my phone. Here we are. Do this. How do you feel? Now, do this. I feel so much better. Like literally, just by pulling that face and doing the hand, I actually feel a different way. Now maybe that isn't your move, but what is? What are the little things you can do to feel a little badass? Now start doing them. And it actually goes, if you don't know, right now, after this video, I want you to start trying a few things because that's the point. Try them. You don't actually know what's going to work and what isn't until you freaking try. For me, it's music. It's clothes. What's that version for you? Test and figure it out. Now, once you've done the work, and which I had done, put on my clothes, I put on my jewelry, got my hair done, I listened to this hype song, I pulled this selfie. Now I feel at least slightly confident enough to walk into the freaking room. I'm still scared, 
but I've got enough of my emotions and I've influenced myself enough to just step in the room. Because remember, we're just taking little incremental steps because we're not gonna overwhelm ourselves. So we've now gotten ourselves into the room. That's just the start, right? You've got hundreds of people around you. How on earth are you gonna have the confidence to start talking? Now, in that moment, I turned to the expert, the self-proclaimed recovering awkward person, the behavioral scientist, my homie, Vanessa Van Edwards, to get her advice on what the hell I do when I turn up at an event and I have no confidence. Hello, hello, Lisa and friends. I'm so excited to talk about some of my favorite social hacks for doing great in an event. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Vanessa Van Edwards, and I'm the best-selling author of Cues, Master the Secret Language of Charismatic Communication, and Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People. I love helping people achieve their goals using next-level communication, advanced people skills. So before you even go into the event, your prep is just as important as the actual event. First, you want to have a very, very specific goal in mind. So in terms of social goals, is it to meet new people? Is it to reconnect with the host? Is it to have a great time? Is it to kill it on the dance floor? The more specific your goal is, the more that fights anxiety and the more confident you'll feel. Second, uh, if you can, try to take up space, especially uh, this distance between your earlobes and your shoulders. It's a really weird thing. When we get anxious, we tend to creep our shoulders up and tilt our head down, and we'll walk into an event like this. Hey, good to see everyone. This is the single fastest way to both feel low confident, oh, it feels terrible, and look low confident. So try to take up space put on your favorite music while you're getting your makeup done or while you're riding in the car, while you're doing your hair. Uh, all those things are gonna help you kind of take up space and expand, which is gonna make you both feel and look confident. One thing that we did in our lab called Science People is we analyzed the flow of different events and we found that there is a specific place in an event where you can make the most contacts. Before I tell you what that place is, let me tell you where you shouldn't stand. So in every event, whether that's a party, barbecue, networking events, holiday party, the worst place to stand is the start zone. And this is where people most often get caught. They walk into an event and they walk in and they're like, what do I do? Oh, where do I put my code? Where's the food? That start zone is when people's anxiety is the highest. So it's the worst place to stand to try to make conversation because you're getting people at the peak of anxiety. So once you come in, do your first things. Hang up your coat, get a name tag if there's a name tag, check in if there's a check-in, and move past the start zone where people first enter the room. The place that I like the best is what I call the social zone. The social zone is where people are ready to mingle. They want to make deep conversation. That's typically in the middle of the room or around the food or the bar. And my favorite place to stand, as I promised, is right as people exit the bar or right as people get their drink. The reason for this is because when people first walk into an event, they have a lot of things they might want to do. Greet the host, go to the bathroom, put their coat down, grab a drink, grab a plate of food. So if you if you try to connect with them too quickly before that, they're not ready to have deep conversation. That's when you get those awkward kind of short conversations where people are overhead gazing, looking to see if they see their friend or the host over your head. Ugh, it was the worst. So stand right as people exit the bar with their drink and they're like looking for someone to mingle and that person is you. So you wanna be right there when someone has a full drink and they're ready to go. Another great kind of option here is standing, so go greeting the host or greeting the person who um, who introduced you and then standing in their line of sight. That can be another thing, great thing to do because then you're near them and if they want to introduce you to someone else, they're right there to introduce you. You can also jump in on their conversation because it's someone you know. Sometimes standing in the line of sight of the host is also a good place to be. 
So cues are the social signals we send to others. And there is cues in everything, from the colors we wear, to our backgrounds, to our facial expressions, to our voice, to our body language, even the temperature of your drink. So one study found that when you carry a warm bed beverage, it makes you more warm. It actually induces more trust. I think the reason for this is because when we think of someone who is cold, we literally think of them as uptight or nervous. And what happens when we get nervous? Our hands get cold. So when we shake someone's hands and it's cold, we think, oh, are they nervous? This, our brain is not always uh, is not always caught up with this because they they will sometimes mistake a hand for a cold drink. So the worst thing you can do in an event is hold an ice cold drink and then go shaking hands. They're going to be like, oh, she's nervous. Ooh, he's nervous. The best thing you can do is hold or give a warm drink. When you come to my office, I offer you a nice steaming cup of hot cocoa or a nice warm cup of coffee or a yummy, delicious, comfortable cup of hot tea. That both helps them be warm and others see me as warm. So always carry a warm drink or offer a warm drink. It's a secret way to build trust. All right, so here I am. I've walked into the door. I'm still fearful, but my girl Vanessa Van Edwards has given me very strict instructions that if I want to meet people, go to the bar. So as I walk into the bar, the negative voice is still going, but I have a very clear instructive of what I'm about to do. Walk to the freaking bar. So I walk into this bar in Vegas at Gary V's event. I gun it for the bar. And what do I order? A cup of tea. So now... I've gone from being the person that was petrified at home to even email Gary Vee if I could go to his event. And because of very tiny, small, incremental steps that I planned and planned and planned, I was able to turn up, go to the event, meet people, and what actually got one of my very first conversations going was the guy next to me saw saw that I ordered tea and being British I actually pulled out my own tea bag from my handbag and that became the talking topic for the guy next to me he approaches me he sees I'm drinking tea in Vegas and he starts asking me about the tea that I'm drinking that got the conversation going before I knew it I'd been there for hours I ended up interacting with people I ended up showing myself that even though I was absolutely petrified, even though I felt total fear, even though I felt imposter syndrome, that I was here emailing Gary and going to his freaking event. And yet, with small, little, incremental planning, whether I was scared or not, I had freaking radical confidence and I showed up anyway. Everything has to start with the shoes. And then I work my way up because sometimes you may pick a perfect outfit and the shoes don't actually go. So when I feel confident, there's only one freaking thing I go for. And that is my bad bitch boots. Here they are, bad bitch boots right here, guys. These are the ones, they got some heel, but it's quite thick. That way they don't fall. Got my boots, now I need the right set of pants. When I feel sexy, I actually feel confident, I feel powerful. So, I've got my boots, got my tight pants all here, and we go through, which is the one, which is the one? Ding, ding, ding. These are the sexy pants. 
And here's the completed outfit. Got my shoes, got my sexy pants, and I got my top. All right, time for the jewelry. Like the weight of this, like it really does. I don't know, there's something mentally. Like Wonder Woman, she puts on her cuffs. Prepared for battle. This is my cuffs. All right guys, now I've got my bad bitch boots on, I've got my jewelry on, I've got my hair, I've got my top, I feel freaking sexy. And I actually am even acting more confident. Like go back and watch the other stuff. Like even the way I walk, the way I move my hands, my energy, listen to how loud I'm getting. So guys, I want you right now, right this second, to go into your closet, grab a piece of something, anything that makes you feel good about yourself. I don't care what it is. Put it on, look at yourself in the mirror, and I want you to say these words. I got this. I'm confident. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.